Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to another episode of No Script, No Problem on Believe, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? All right, great show today. I am talking to a good friend of mine, Brad Bogart. He's the creator of Outdaughtered and a fantastic showrunner. But I'm talking to him today about a biopic that is out right now. It's also streaming. It is called Spinning Gold, and this biopic is about Brad's dad, Neil Bogart. Now, Neil Bogart was a 1970s record producer, co-founder of Casablanca Records. Neil Bogart launched Casablanca, and that gave rise to superstars like Donna Summer, George Clinton in Parliament, Gladys Knight, the Isley Brothers, Village People, Bill Withers, and Kiss. And Brad uh, produced this movie. His brother, Tim, was the director and the writer, and Evan Bogart, his other brother, did all the music. Wiz Khalifa plays George Clinton. Uh, Taylor Parks plays Donna Summer. Uh, Lettucey plays Gladys Knight. So you have an incredible cast. Michelle Monaghan plays Brad's mother in the film. Uh, Jeremy Jordan stars as Neil Bogart, Brad's father. Jay Farrow plays Cecil Holmes. So it's an incredible movie, a lot of fun to watch. Great music, obviously. You can stream Spinning Gold on Amazon Video, Vudu, Microsoft, DirecTV, AMC On Demand, and YouTube. I really hope you guys enjoy this interview with Brad Bogart, incredibly talented guy. Here you go. Welcome, Brad Bogart. Thanks for being here, brother. Of course. Thanks for having me. We got the big movie, Spinning Gold. It is a biopic, Neil Bogart, Casablanca Records. We met in 2016. And you told me about this movie. And so this has been in the works for a long, long time. And it, because it's about your dad and Casablanca Records, which is iconic artists like Kiss, Donna Summer, the Isley Brothers, uh, the list goes on and on. Tell me about this movie, the genesis of the project and how much it means to you. Well, the movie, um, it's, it's hard to say really when it began. Uh, I mean, my father passed away in 82 and he was 39 years old. And I think someone somewhere at that point was probably already thinking this could be a movie. My brother was uh, 13 when he passed. And I think he started writing scripts probably around that age, maybe maybe younger. And I honestly think him, my stepmother, I mean, I think uh, Joyce, I think they've been thinking about this movie forever. I mean, easily 10 years after that, you know, by the time uh, Tim was in film school, I mean, um, at NYU, I mean, maybe 30 years really working on this film. And it's gone from every studio. It's gone from every director, from Scorsese at one point to Spike Lee was attached at one point. Uh, I mean, Justin Timberlake was supposed to play my dad at one point. I, I mean, I can't even remember, to be honest with you, all of the different people that have been attached to this film. Um, but I think, you know, I mean, look, everyone wanted to have their own take on it, you know, and I think at one point, you know, when it was someone like Scorsese, it was going to be just mountains of cocaine everywhere. And I think, you know, I, there was a lot of that, but I don't know if there had to be mountains everywhere. So that that was the Wolf of Wall Street version? I or think the, or so. the Goodfellas version? I think the Goodfellas version. Yeah, let's, you know, and I think, you know, for 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 the family, I just think it's so important that that the story is done how we want it to be done. 
then, you know, these iconic directors and iconic actors. And I mean, when, when they get involved in certain films, it becomes their film. It's no longer our film. You know, it becomes whoever it is. I mean, you know, I mean, Spike Lee, amazing, but it would have become Spike Lee's film. So I think at some point, Tim, who wrote it and directed it and, you know, produced it was like, you know, we've waited decades to do this. Uh, bands, I mean, bands have gotten involved and they wanted to produce it uh, with us. And I think at some point he just decided I, I need to do this on my own. He pulled the financing together. I mean, it was amazing. And um, we went into uh, production a few years ago, actually. We've been working on it forever, forever. I mean, when, 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 when I met you and we were in New York, I mean, Justin Timberlake was cast to play my father. And then, I mean, as quickly as that happened, well, that was actually, he was, he was uh, attached for a while, but as quickly as that happened, it was gone. So. It's really, I mean, it really is a fascinating story. Your, your dad was truly an, un, I mean, this is an underdog story. Your dad really kind of came from nothing in New York and really kind of did everything that he could do to get into the music industry and then took on the big dogs like Warner Brothers Music uh, to make Casablanca records happen. Working with your brothers, what what really did you guys want to bring out in this film? Because obviously, you know, there's so much you could have done. Like you said, these directors could have gone one way. What did you guys really want to focus in terms of bringing out your father's story? I mean, there's there's many things, but I, I think the the um, he was you know he was a musician first. Uh, well, he was a dancer, he was he was a singer, he was a little bit of everything. But I I think that you know. His, his passion for his artists. Um, and that's what the artists talk about today. I mean, the artists still talk about how much he loved the music and he loved, it was all about the music. It was all about the artist. It was, he wasn't just a record company president who was sitting behind his desk, having other people do. I mean, he was in the studio. He was, you know, riding levels as, 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 you know, Kiss was, was, was recording. I mean, he was, I, I think it was important for a few things, I think one we wanted to show what kind of a guy he was that he loved the music so with every part of him. Um, and I think you know, for us, really, I don't know if this really will answer your question, but I think for us, people don't realize it, and that's kind of what the movie's about. He was part of of generations of music. I mean, uh, controlled a decade, two decades of music, and no one's ever heard of him. And I think it was important for us as as his as his kids and his family to say, like, this guy you've never heard of ever brought this music into your life. I mean, created the soundtrack of so many people's lives through the 60s and the 70s. The movie ends, you know, roughly 79, 80. People don't, I mean, he then had Joan Jett with, you know, um, I Love Rock and Roll and Crimson and Clover. He had Night Ranger, Sister Christian. I mean, he had two enormous bands as well as many others, but even into the 80s that people don't realize, the early 80s. I mean, unfortunately, he then passed in 82. You know, and that's, what what uh, Jeremy, who is amazing, um, who who um, plays my dad, talks about. You know, you've all heard of all of these artists. You've never heard my name before, and and, and you know, he says, "Didn't I matter? You know, did didn't it all matter?" So, you mentioned Jeremy. Obviously, you said at one point Justin Timberlake. I'm sure you guys considered a lot of different people. Why did you settle on Jeremy Jordan? Jeremy Jordan, I mean, not only was he doing Supergirl and, and not only is he doing some some amazing work in, in television, I mean, he is a Broadway, he's an amazing Broadway actor. I mean, just absolutely spectacular. I mean, it just, it just fit with, you know, who my dad was. Um, there was a performance and I, I can't remember what the, I was actually trying to find it really quick, what the performance was. But I remember when Tim first said, 
you know, Jeremy Jordan, I did not know his work on Broadway and he sent me a, um, a link and I was just blown away. But I mean, his, uh, his work on Broadway is, I mean, is spectacular. I mean, if you've ever get a chance to go see him on Broadway, he, I mean, he is beyond captivating. His voice is amazing. Uh, and, and he's a brilliant actor. What I got to find out about him was, and the nicest guy you'll ever meet. You know, uh, I mean, just, uh, I don't know how many times I, I would joke around with him and ask him if he had any money I could borrow. Cause you know, he did play my dad and I never got to ask my dad that question. You know, just a quick story of, about Jeremy, which is, uh, so, so my daughter, uh, Sloan is in the movie and she plays my older sister. Um, and there's a scene in the film where the, um, the release party for Casablanca totally fails miserably. The sprinklers go off and um, um, his daughter, which is my daughter, comes on screen and says, daddy, you promised we dance and they dance together. Well, my daughter loves Jeremy Jordan, uh, loved him in, in, in Supergirl. We said that she had a scene with him, but we didn't say what the scene was because we didn't want to freak her out completely. So the day before I thought, oh, we should at least, they should at least meet really quick. So, um, you know, my, 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 uh, my fiance Hillary is kind of giving her pointers like, you know, just meet him, just talk, not, you know, whatever. He's a really nice guy. And so she goes up to him and they meet each other really quick. And he says to her, um, don't worry about tomorrow. I'll have um, really strong shoes. You don't have to worry about it. Someone's like, what are you, I don't understand what are you talking about? He's like, so you won't hurt my feet. She's like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, when you're standing on my feet and we're dancing, my daughter's like, wait, we're dancing. He's like in the <laughs> rain. Yes. We're dancing in the rain and you're standing on my feet. I mean, she was just, oh my God, just lost her mind. Um, but he was just so kind, just amazing guy. Amazing guy uh, for their birthday. I mean, I, I asked him, could he, could he do a quick FaceTime and call them? I mean, he's just like, just, and of course he was like, absolutely. I mean, just we got, we got incredibly, uh, you know, I mean, look, when you cast people in your movie, you're, you're looking at their acting abilities, you know, for someone like Jeremy, not only were we looking at acting abilities, but singing abilities, you don't a lot of times get to know, like, are they really good people? Are they nice people? Are they going to do everything in their power? He did everything and then some, and continues to do everything all the way through the premiere. I mean, he is just an amazing guy um, and uh, willing to do whatever it takes, which is just so 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 fortunate at the end of the movie in the credits you know you you show some really uh great archival of your dad some interviews and then it's interesting then you kind of think about how jeremy portrayed your dad and he really did own that character he did tell me about uh, a little bit about what it was like being on set i'm sure that it was emotional at times uh, for you knowing what you're making, you know, you know, you're used, to, you know, you're a showrunner in uh, unscripted and a creator of shows uh, in unscripted, but to actually be making this movie about your dad, was it emotional? It was very emotional. I mean, you know, there were, there were times where I kept myself so busy at, on purpose. I didn't want to stick around and watch some scene about my you know, father uh, cheating on my mother. Uh, like, I just, I don't need to watch this, uh, you know. So I kept myself really busy, but there were there were times where, you know, I wanted to be there. You, you wanted to watch that scene. You wanted to see, you know, how it would unfold on screen. And that last scene, um, you know, um, spoiler alert, he unfortunately passes away at the end. Um, 
couldn't change that. But that last scene when he's doing that monologue, we all sat there watching it. And I mean, I, I, I can't watch that scene without my, you know, my eyes filling up. I mean, it's just now I'm 50 years old, you know, I'm 11 years older than my father was when he passed away. So, you know, you think to yourself when you watch these scenes, I mean, what's amazing is like the set of Casablanca was exactly what the office looked like on Sunset Boulevard. We recreated it exactly how it looked. So, you know, when you're sitting there and you're looking at him in his office, that was my dad in his office. I mean, that's what it looked like. That Moroccan theme and those lights and the camels and all of that stuff really was what it looked like. So, you know, when, when the noise would quiet down from running around and producing a movie and you'd be left with a scene of a movie and you'd be watching it, it was a trip. It was a trip to watch, you know, your mother or your stepmother or your dad or your uncle, I mean, your aunt, I mean, just play out in front of you. I mean, the people that you see in the movie, they are my family. You know, even the ones that aren't blood relatives, I mean, that was Uncle Cecil. That's Cecil. Jay Farrow plays my uncle, but he's not really my uncle, but we called him Uncle Cease. And that was it. Uncle Buck. I mean, Uncle Buck was really my uncle, but I mean, we called them all aunts and uncles. And, you know, I mean, when I first met George Clinton, I mean, when I, when I saw him as an adult, um, actually, when we were going to do, we were trying to do a sizzle. I mean, George walked up to me, he put his hand over my, my forehead to cover the fact that I'm bald and goes, look, Neil with no hair. I mean, he was like, <laughs> this is, you know, he's like, I've known you since you were, you know, born. I mean, it's such a trip to see these people. They've known me my entire life. That it is pretty incredible. Like it's as I was watching, I kept going, oh man, I wonder, you know, which where, where's Brad? Where's Brad? So you mentioned George Clinton, but we're, you know, we're also, you know, we're talking about George Clinton. We're talking about Kiss, Donna Summer, um, uh, Gladys Knight, um, the Isley brothers. Like, yeah. I mean, how much village people con- yeah village people how much consultation went into checking with these folks to make sure that what you were doing matched up with what really happened or the relationships between your father and them you know I- i'm sure that you wanted to at least get somewhat close to the interactions and because as i was watching i was like okay just like any biopic you're like Oh, how close is this to what really happened or these conversations? How close is it to what they really said? How much did you want to make sure with those artists that this is what really happened? We wanted to make sure that we were in the correct framework. You know, I mean, they talk about it in, in the film. Does anybody really remember what happened? Was anybody sober enough to remember what happened? I mean, right in the beginning, it was easier knowing who was sober than who wasn't sober. I mean, it was just everyone was doing something. And that was the time and it was totally acceptable. I mean, look, most of the stuff that happens in this movie is what happened. And, and of course there was, you know, some creative freedom that, that, that took place obviously to, you know, as we see in any film or television show to wind it all together and make things make sense. And, you know, but I know for some of these folks, I mean, a lot of them have passed away. So you're going on second and third and fourth accounts of what people think happened or what we think happened. And, you know, for some of them, it is. it is, And for some of them, uh, you know, without getting myself in too much trouble, some of these people have, you know, created their own stories now that are completely, you know, fabricated that, that certain artists did it all on their own without anybody's help. They just magically were created and now, 
became, you know, enormous rock stars and sold 100 million records all on their own without anyone's help. So I think it was time for us to say, no, that didn't happen. That's no, you know, my, my stepmother was Kiss's manager, was Donna's manager and taught these people how to put on makeup and walk across the stage, stage and dance on a stage. I mean, she was their manager before my father. So this was nothing to do with my father. This was, she was their manager. She did everything for them. She got them, not only helped create their entire stage show, every part of their stage show uh, with Bill O'Coin, of course, and then got them signed <laughs> and continue to watch them become, you know, the, the, uh, the legends that they are today. But there was, you know, a lot of people help these artists, lots of people. No one does it on their own. You know, that was something I didn't know, you know, so I, I love that backstory of Kiss. I thought that was, that was really cool and a, and a great ad. Let's talk a little bit more about the cast. So you, you mentioned Jay Farrow. Michelle Monaghan. Deru- yeah, that's right. Michelle yeah, Monaghan. She was great. Amazing. Plays plays my mother. Um, Peyton Liss plays uh, my aunt, Nancy. Um, Jason Isaacs, who is not only an amazing actor, I, I honestly think the nicest human being on the face of the earth, you know, plays my grandfather. Um, James Wilk plays um, Larry Harris, who also was like my uncle Larry. And Dan Fogler, just... <laughs> amazing absolutely i love his character yes amazing (laughs) really played my uncle really well let's see and then you know sebastian uh, maniscalco um we've mentioned uh, jeremy um vincent pastore and then as far as you know the artist you have taylor parks who is just who plays donna who is spectacular amazing amazing lettucey plays gladys i mean let us see what would start to sing and the entire set got silent because everyone wanted to just hear every single word that came out of her mouth. And every take that happened, it wasn't like, oh, we heard it once, now we can go back to work. No, everyone was just like, oh, let us see sing. <laughs> We're all just yeah. going to sit here and listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. I mean, Chris Redd, Jason Derulo, Wiz Khalifa. I mean, Sam Harris as, as, as Paul Stanley is just, I mean, it's Paul Stanley. <laughs> I mean, he's amazing. Casey likes, I mean, those guys together, I mean, with or without the makeup, they were just phenomenal. Was it pretty sensitive casting between you and your brothers in terms of uh, picking someone to play your mom uh, with Michelle Monaghan? No, no. My brother, I mean, uh, both my brothers, um, Evan and I mean, Tim cast. um, I actually don't know who, who cast everyone specifically, but, but Tim Bogart, I mean, my, my, I don't know why I said Tim Bogart, but my, my brother, he's an amazing at casting people. I mean, he he did a spectacular job. And um, Evan, who, you know, is a massive force in the music industry, I mean, alongside Tim with, you know, the likes of of Legacy and, and, and Taylor Park. I mean, he he put all of them in. I mean, the, between the two of them, they, they cast this movie just spectacularly. I mean, just did an amazing job. I did cast two very important people, though. My two children. But other than that, other than Casting my kids. I made the movie, Brad. That that, right there, that did it for me. Right there, absolutely. Yes, we'll at least get like four or five people will go see the movie just for them. So you're welcome. I I did that. I I made that fifty bucks for everybody. So there you go. I have two brothers as well, and I can't even imagine making a movie with them. Christmas, seeing them at Christmas is plenty for me. What was that like to make an emotional film about your dad with your two brothers? For the most part, everyone remained so busy, always doing what they were doing. The three of us weren't just sitting there, you know, being able to really soak it in. So the times that we could, 
was amazing. You know, I'm, I, I, Evan and I, I, I have these pictures of uh, he and I, it's like three o'clock in the morning as um, Jeremy and, 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 uh, uh, and Taylor are singing Last Dance uh, at the very end. And it's like three in the morning and we're just watching it just so surreal. But there were some amazing moments that the three of us would be there, you know, in my father's office together or sitting at his conference room table. That was really, really special. We, we, we did another show together and, and, and they've worked together before in the past, but we did another show together called Majors and Minors that was on uh, the hub for four and a half seconds. And that had, you know, it was a kid singing competition. It was a reality show. The one ours, as you know, we all have children. We're like, yeah, let's not vote anybody off. And apparently people just want to see people get voted off. But that has, you know, I mean, Brandy was our host and I mean, a mate, Sean Kingston was in it and Will I Am. And we had, a, you know, Evan got all these amazing musicians to come on and mentor all these kids. And that was amazing. I mean, Avril Lavigne and gosh, I can't remember everyone that was in that, um, Adam Lambert, but, you know, super cool. Um, and um, so we got to do that together. And then Tim and I have, have also done a lot of stuff together um, in the reality world. So we'd gotten to do it before, but nothing quite as special as this ever. And probably nothing will ever be as special as this. I mean, you know, working on watching your family's life story unfold in front of you. I mean, incredibly special and, and amazing that I got to do it with my brothers. Let's talk a little bit about unscripted TV, which is where you and I met. Okay. You and I met 2016 out daughtered for TLC, a show that you created. I was a, the executive producer that year, along with you, you created the show. Um, it's a, This is a story I love to tell people, which is how you created Outdaughtered. For people who don't know, this was a show uh, set in uh, Texas, a little bit right outside of Houston, about a family, the Busbies, who had uh, little quintuplets, all female quintuplets. Went for, uh, how many seasons did it go? Uh, it's, it's filming as we speak, but I, um, I <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Okay. So that's right. Still going strong. Yeah. Uh, um, but, multiple but, seasons. So many seasons many, and, yeah. um, you created the show. So tell, t- tell the audience how you came about the Busbies and, and made this, uh, made this show happen. I was speaking to TLC. I was speaking to, 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 uh, Jen Gordon at TLC. And she had said to me, you just did a medical show in, in, uh, in Texas. I, I did, a um, another reality show called Life Flight Trauma Center Houston about the busiest um, level one trauma center in the country called Memorial Hermann Hospital. And, you know, I was kind of sharing that with people and and as something that I had just done. And Jen was like, well, look, you just did a show. You you know, these hospitals, we need a new Quint show, a a new multiple show. So I was like, all right, I'll find you a new multiple show. So I immediately found a woman with triplets, filmed an entire sizzle, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, it says, well, you pay for it yourself. So we paid, paid for it ourselves, filmed an entire sizzle, gave it to the network. And they were like, this is really great. No one cares about triplets. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, it's triplets. You need like six kids, eight kids, 10 kids. I was like, oh gosh. So I found this family. I found this blog. <laughs> what are you laughing for? <laughs> I just, I just, I can totally see that meeting happening. No one cares about triplets. You need six, at least six. Yeah. Yeah. Seven's better. Eight's better. I mean, if you get, give us 10, then you're 10. Golden. Yeah. Yeah. I was on vacation. I got that phone call. I thought like they were going to pick up the show. They're like, no, no one cares about triplets. I was like devastated. It was a good sizzle too. Anyways, um, <laughs> sizzles go. It wasn't bad. So yeah, no, I found this blog post um, and um, they still have it. Uh, it's a buzzworld. 
they, uh, uh, so I read all about it and they hadn't had the babies and she was pregnant and, and uh, still at home. And I found, I found them on Facebook and I just sent this random text and was like, I literally just finished this television show in Houston. I'm looking for a new show. You know, are you interested uh, in talking to me more about it? You know, I mean, we joke about it today. I was like, yeah, it's like, look, you know, barely going to like change your life. We're not really going to like bother you that much. Like, <laughs> I mean, what do you say? You know, this is Adam and Danielle Busby, right? Adam and Danielle Busby. Okay. And, I, and I, I had uh, I texted Adam and, and uh, we got on the, we get on the phone like, like the next day or a couple of days later. And um, he's like, no, I'm, I'm interested. He's like, listen, he goes, but unfortunately, you know, Danielle just went on bed rest and, and she's at the hospital on oxygen. Um, and I was like, well, I'd love to do is I'd love to come out and like talk to you guys. He's like, sure. Um, he's like, well, I was like tomorrow. He's like, you're going to come out tomorrow. And I'm in LA at the time. And so I showed up the next day um, and I go into the hospital and um, the two of them are sitting there and I like just meet them and we're talking in the hospital. And I think things are going pretty well, you know, and I'm like, Hey, you know, I have my camera in the car. I could just go out to the car and grab uh, my, my camera and bring it in. So I just immediately start doing interviews. <laughs> sitting in the hospital room <laughs> with Adam and Danielle. She's like, removes the oxygen thing. Um, and they were, you know, from, from, from day one, they were, they were fantastic and, and they were a game. And um, we immediately just start, I started interviewing them. The hospital got really upset. They came and like, what are you doing? I was like, oh, we're just yeah. Cause that's do. generally kind of a no, no in a hospital, Brad. Yeah. Can't, can't, can't film uh, people in hospitals, you yeah. know, all that good stuff, but they were yeah. a game. I remember Adam said uh, he had this relationship with good morning America and he was like, we're going to be on Good Morning America. And I was like, oh, that's cool. That's that's amazing. So I filmed all this footage. I went back to LA. They're on Good Morning America. And he starts texting me all of the letters that are coming in from every production company in this country. Every single production company. They had the third set of all-girl quints in the country. I think it was the, right. the, or the second set of all-girl quints in the country. Third set in the world of all-girl quints, I think, at the time. I mean... You name the production company, they're emailing him. Let's do a TV show together. And, you know, I mean, the Busbys, I mean, they had said to me, they're like, we like you, we're going to go with you. You know, you're a guy. And he's sending me all these things. And I remember pulling over on the side of the road and I was like, oh my God, I've just, I've lost this show. And all I can think- So question for you. So this feels like the Jerry Maguire thing. It's like a handshake deal at this point, nothing on paper. And that's what I, that I was about to literally say that. That's exactly what I felt like. Yeah. Okay. So, so what happens next? Well, you know, I mean, there was no way I was going to slide over a shopping agreement in the middle of a hospital room on day one. I mean, that's like, that's just about as lame as you can. Of I course. would never do that. That's not who I am. Right. I really am more, my word is as strong as oak type of guy, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I do feel like you either trust me or you don't. Like, that's cool. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to like strong arm anybody into doing anything with me. So I pull over and I call him and I'm like, hey, so... I, and I think I literally said to him, like, I'm having a Jerry Maguire uh, moment right now. Like my word is as strong as oak. And he was like, relax. I said, we're going with you. We're going with you. And I was like, oh, thank God. I love that story for a lot of reasons. The first is that you're really one of the few people who would jump on a plane, not knowing, not knowing whether you could get it or not. And certainly one of the only people who would grab the camera and go into a hospital (laughs) and start filming. And now after seeing the movie about your dad, do you think you get some of that initiative, some of that hustle from your dad? 100%. 100%. 
I mean, that's who he was. He, I mean, you know, like I said, look, th- th- there's there's some parts of that movie that, of course, you know, my brother um, needed to Hollywood, a Hollywood, yeah, yeah a little yes. Hollywood magic, yeah, a little Hollywood. Um, but there's some stuff that was absolutely true. I mean, him working at a, a temp agency and deciding, and then them, them calling up and saying, "We need an ad exec to go work at Cashbox," and he's like, "I got the perfect guy for you, Neil Bogatz or whatever he, whatever name he was on at that point." And they're like, sounds great. Or Neil Bogart. Yeah, because he was uh, Bogart. So, I mean, he just jumped into and did whatever it took. I mean, he was really the whatever it takes type of guy. I mean, that was his, that was Casablanca's motto. That was his motto. Um, And that's kind of how, I mean, that's kind of how I've approached, I mean, every job, every business. I mean, everything I've ever done is literally whatever it takes, you know, for for better and for worse. I mean, you get consumed in, in your work, but I feel that, you know, to truly service the show or to service your bosses. I mean, it is, it's whatever it takes. I mean, the show I just did, I was in Atlanta for a year. You do whatever it takes to, 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 to do the show. So, I mean, that was our daughter. I mean, I did, um, we did 73 episodes, um, took them all over the country, uh, took them on a Disney cruise uh, to the Bahamas. I mean, took them all over the world. I mean, it was amazing. I and mean, watched these little kids grow up and I mean, for, for, for a while there it was, I mean, till the end, I mean, it was a very high rated show for TLC. I mean, it was a, it was a pretty amazing experience. And I got to meet you. So there you go. That that's true. And you know, that that was the best part. Best was, part. was getting, getting to work with me. The other thing that I feel like you do really well is work with talent that you, and it obviously it stems, you know, the perfect example, you, they, you gained their trust right away. And, and tell me a little bit about your philosophy when it comes to working with talent. Right now, you're doing another show for TLC, very different type of show, but still working with that same network. So clearly, they like the way you, you work. What is kind of your philosophy when it comes to being on set or, or reaching out to talent? How do you gain their trust? How do you kind of get them to kind of uh, produce on set? What, what is your philosophy with talent? I'm pretty honest. No one I've ever worked with can say that, oh, you told me something different. And, you know, and, and I think in the reality world, I think a lot of people are now, they're on high alert. They're really guarded. And, the, the, you know, they think every show is a gotcha show. Even if it's not a gotcha show, they think, oh, I'm waiting for that moment. That, and I would tell them flat out, this is, I'm, I don't do gotcha shows. It's not a hidden camera show. Like, I'm going to be super honest with you. I'm going to explain to you why I need the things that I need, how things are going to work, how they don't work. And I encourage you to ask me all the questions. There's nothing worse than finishing you know, a scene or a day or whatever it is, or, 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 um, uh, I mean, it's never happened to me. Thank, I mean, thank God. I mean, I, I've never had an episode air and someone's like, wait, w- what happened? I don't understand what happened. Like, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a straight shooter. And, but I think because of that, you get what you need because, you know, we come in, I think that we come into a lot of these shows with all that experience. And, and sometimes we think that they, they know how this works and they don't have a clue how this works. They're not supposed to. So that's our job is to be like, we want to share with you how this works. We want to do this together. And I think the more you can make it feel like it's, it's, we're doing it together instead of like, I'm doing something or you have to do something, but let's do this together. I think you get, you get everything. But that's the way I, I mean, I, even when I'm on a film, I mean, I just did a film in Italy, you know, and I'd have uh, actors say, I don't understand why we're doing a, a, whatever it is. Oh, okay. Here's why we're doing it. In the script, you know, it's not snowing or raining. and no one has COVID. Um, in real life, it's snowing and raining. It's eight degrees outside and people have COVID. So, you know, we're having to adjust the schedule. 
<laughs> I don't know any other way to say it to you. I, I'm so sorry you had to wait uh, for this a lot of time, but it's freezing cold outside and it's raining and we can't shoot a dance scene in the rain. So, but you'd have to be honest. You can't just say, you know, or ignore people. I mean, no one wants to be ignored. No one wants to feel like someone knows something that they don't know. So I just feel be transparent. People love, everyone loves when you're transparent. And that's, I think the best way to be. Fantastic answer. I love that. You brought up uh, the, the film that you just produced in Italy. What is the difference between, you know, what you're doing, whether it's on Outdaughtered or your new show um, on TLC as a, as a showrunner, as an executive producer versus when you then hop onto a feature film, you know, a, a drama or a biopic like what you did with Spinning Gold uh, as a producer? Sure. I mean, just about everything. <laughs> I mean, there's almost well, yeah, it, the same. The, I think it's a really good question when I, cause first of all, like no one in my family understands what I do and they hear that term producer and they just kind of, it's such a kind of, you know, ominous kind of weird term and you can interpret it in a million different ways. Sure. Well, I mean, in, in the reality world, as you know, I mean, as a showrunner, you are running the show. I mean, we are, I don't want to ruin reality shows for anybody, but we, we are writing outlines. There are outlines. Delete that later. Wait a minute. I know. I, you, you just, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I, I never did that. Never, 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 never. But, um, you know, we're writing, we're directing, you know, on smaller shows, like, like my shows are smaller, are absolutely smaller shows. There's a couple of cameras. Sometimes we get crazy and we'll have three or four, but I mean, the bigger shows, there's a zillion cameras. I mean, someone has to call those cameras. So we are calling cameras. We're writing, we're uh, directing, we are uh, working with the talent, we're working with our crews, we're working with the studio, we're working with the network. I mean, we are constantly negotiating with everybody all day long. I think that, and you know what, that's interesting. That's the only similarity. You're constantly negotiating with, in my role as a producer, because I'm not, a, I'm, I didn't direct these films, I didn't write these films. Um, but as a producer, that would be the one thing that that translates. I am constantly negotiating with people all day long. I'm negotiating with crews all day long. I'm negotiating with actors all day long. I'm negotiating with their agents. And I don't mean negotiating like for money, though that as well. I mean, how the day is going to go. How, how What is today going to look like? You know, they they want one thing, we need another. And we have to find that happy medium in, in between. And it doesn't matter if there was schedules written yesterday and published yesterday. We still have to negotiate that day. Why are we shooting this scene in this place? Why can't we shoot it over here? I don't want to be here all day. So, I mean, that would be the only, in my role, that would be that, that would be the, the biggest similarity. I, I, I mean, working with your crews and your talent and, you know, in studios, I mean, um, but as far as, you know, on a, on a, on a reality show, I mean, we are, we do a little bit, a little bit of everything, but, you know, on a uh, scripted show, I mean, I am, I don't have to, I'm not directing. I'm not calling shots. I'm not worried about lighting. I mean, uh, the last uh, two films I've done, I mean, the uh, Byron Warner, the director of photography is just spectacular. I mean, him and Tim, they that's their world. And the preparation, <laughs> I will say that I remember one of the first things I watched in, in, in uh, uh, it was a car scene in, in, in Spinning Gold. Um, we were in Montreal. It started in Montreal. And then we ended up finishing it in New Jersey. But there was a car scene. And um, it's when uh, Neil, uh, Beth, um, and and the kids uh, they get in the house, they get in the car and they leave New Jersey to go to California. Uh, I mean, I I can't. It was so long ago. I don't want to say it was days, but it was a day, possibly days. I mean, that would take us thirty minutes. Like, put the GoPros in the car, 
let's get the follow car. Oh <laughs> yeah. We got three or four done more teams to do just today. Done it, done. And I'd have been like, boom, boom, boom. Get the GoPros going. Okay, let's move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll do it a couple times at best. You know, we got a couple hours oh. slotted in. We got to get to the next scene. I mean, it, it's amazing the, the kind of time on a feature that you have dedicated for each each scene. You know, especially if you're, you know, a lot of these are single camera. So it's just, we're going to do this scene one way a lot. <laughs> and then we're going to go ahead and we're going to reverse it. We're going to do the, <laughs> the other thing. Yeah, because you're lighting each shot, right? You're lighting for for one actor. You're flipping it. You're lighting it for that actor. You're, you're doing a close-up. You're doing a wide. You're doing a medium. You may do a special, I mean, right? It could take so a couple everything hours. is... It yeah. could take a couple hours just to reverse. Your brain would explode. Because my, my brain sometimes explodes. I'm thinking like how much more we could be filming today. And they're like, dude... <laughs> Like this is this is <laughs> we like could we be showing so much more today. We have two yes. setups. That's it. It's the whole day. We're not leaving location. Where are we? <laughs> what is going on? Yes. I, I, I mean, can we, easily we, see. I mean, we filmed three locations in a day, four locations. In, I mean, on a crazy day, but we could do three locations in a day and a car scene. <laughs> in I, reality. It's so funny. You said I was trying to explain to someone what show did was I on? Oh, I, I was doing the, the show with the Globetrotters and we were trying, we had like a big day where we were trying to get accomplished, like what you're talking about, get accomplished a lot in one day. And I was telling them what you and I had accomplished in the, the season finale, season two finale of Outdaughtered in New York. And we, we were shooting, correct me if I'm wrong, five scenes in a day Yeah, when we were in New York, season two finale, uh, which was really you know, it's not like we were just rushing and getting crappy television. If I recall correctly, it's been several years, but we were getting really good content. We had two crews, your crew and my crew, and we were dashing all over New York with, with kids, with babies. With babies, yeah. With babies. And we were like, each of us was hitting five different locations, four or five locations throughout New York. And that was like, I was trying to explain to this, these crews, how we were doing it. And no one would believe me. Like no. they, they did not believe me. And they couldn't also then when I would beat out the day for the Globetrotter show, we would only hit like three. We couldn't hit four or five. And we had to pick up local crew. I remember, I remember, <laughs> I remember the sound I know what guy. you're going to say. Yeah. Guy, I remember the sound guy asking him. You know, we didn't have enough. We didn't have enough lobs because there's like 20 people there. I mean, who would? And asking him, "Can you boom?" And he was like, "I'm sorry, what?" I was like, "You know, your boom. Can you can you boom?" He's like, "Oh my god, no." And I was like, "Well, just boom." He's like, "For how long?" I was like, "For the scene." Yeah, <laughs> the scene. He was like, "Ah, right, yeah, we don't really do that." I was like, "What do you, you don't do that?" <laughs> yeah, those crews were not real fond of you and me. No, no, they were. Yeah. yeah, they did not. Yeah, they, yeah, we were ready to hustle and move. They were, they were like, we'll do the two scenes. We're good. Yeah, exactly. They were more down for the two scenes. Yeah, he's like, you people are five. lunatics. Why would I want to? Why would I want to do that? This is New York. We're not going to run all over the city. I was like, no, no, no. We are. <laughs> we only have like, I don't even remember how many days we had. Like three or four days. It was like, a, and it was like a two-hour episode. We have to film like two hours and like right. four days or something. That was why we had to shoot so many scenes. Is because it was a two-hour special. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what you're working on right now for TLC. Well, I just finished two shows for a production company. Well, I finished a, 
Oh, we always we're we're like constantly joking. We can't quite finish one of these these shows, but we're trying really hard. Uh, there are two. There are one show is called Thousand Pound Best Friends. We finished that second. I did the second season that just aired, and the other one's called Too Large. It's the second season of uh, Too Large, where we follow individuals who have decided to make this you know amazing change of their life, and you know, and they have surgery, but it's not just surgery. I mean, they have to change everything about their life to lose all of this weight. So we're we gave it. Um, it was kind of crazy. We were supposed to, we were going to finish the, um, they all had surgery. We we're going to go finish the episode. And then they decided it'd be amazing to be able to give the cast more time to lose weight. So then I, I left and went and worked on this other movie in Italy and I've come back. Um, and I'm trying to finish the act five of all of these, these contestants on too large and catching up with all of them to see how much weight they've actually lost and how their lives have actually changed. So I've done, but half of them, I have I have a uh, half left. Um, so I, you know, hop on a plane and I'll go to Atlanta, then I'll go to DC, then I'll go to Louisiana, then I'll go to California, then I'll go back to Atlanta and just picking them up and just for a couple of days to film each one of them. And it's been, you know, I mean, it's it's been an amazing experience to watch their and everything about their life change. I mean, I asked this one guy. I mean, this, I, I can't stop telling this one story because it's just crazy to me. I don't want to give away specific weights, but he has lost hundreds of pounds, hundreds of pounds. And I asked him like, what's the amazing thing that's changed in your life? I mean, you've lost hundreds of pounds. And I'm, I don't know. I don't know what I was expecting him to say. Something just mind blowing, like that that's changed in his life. And he was like, Brad, I can, I can now sit in any chair I want in my house. Like something that simple. He can literally sit in any chair he'd like in his house. And, and what that meant to him. He doesn't have to sit in the one chair that can that can hold his weight. It was just, and then he went on and on and on telling me about all the life changes. But I mean, just, so it's cool. It's it's really cool to be part of that experience, to have a real change in someone's life and, and be part of it. And I, we didn't just watch the show. I mean, we didn't just produce the show, you know, as just watchers. We talked to them two, three times a week. How are they doing? How is their family doing? What's going on for a year? So you got to be, you know, close with these people. I'll tell you the thing that I loved about the show I just did, which is kind of what I loved about Outdaughtered, is I just got super lucky that um, I got to work with the same people forever. So like this show I did um, in Atlanta, I mean, the production company is amazing. And I got to have the same people throughout. And then the crew, you know, but there's the same thing with Outdaughtered. I mean, like, just to just to name drop that those people that you and I both love that you introduced me to, right? Alejandro and Danny. I mean, just the like these amazing directors of photography. You know that we got like who gets to work with the same people for for five years. Like you just don't get that. It's like you know you can't. Sometimes you can't get through the same people in a season. You've like so much turnover in one season. You've gone through like eight producers. You know, but like to have like those guys and that you introduced me to. I mean, I. I grabbed Alejandro and made him come work with uh with me on one of the on one of the um the weight shows. He was thrilled, by the way. He only oh, gave I'm me, sure he was. He only gave me 10 days. That was it. Yes, yes. Like I got another show to do. I was like, just come help me out. Yes. Um, Alejandro yeah. Fenice. Yes. A wonder he is a fantastic director of photography. Yes. Yep. And 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 for outdaughtered, I mean, uh, we even had the same post team, which oh, was really? just like, yeah, I mean, which was just you don't get that. I just personally got really lucky to meet people that like, you just want to keep working with, you know, like we keep trying to do shows together. Like we, we want to do stuff together. Like that's, you don't get that all the time.
you like meet people you're like yeah okay it didn't really work out <laughs> moving on like i just so very fortunate i keep meeting meeting good people well thank you for doing the podcast brad bogart thank you so much brother thanks for having me on i appreciate it okay everybody make sure to buy and watch spinning gold on one of these following platforms amazon video voodoo microsoft direct tv amc on demand and youtube before i go give a shout out and some support for all those wga folks out there fighting for better pay and a better situation in the writing rooms let's hope the studios the networks the streamers all can come to their senses and give these writers a better situation we wouldn't have great shows and uh, great films without them. All right, that's going to do it for another episode of No Script, No Problem. For everybody listening, please remember to subscribe, download, and rate the show with five stars. Of course, it is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Audible, and TuneIn. You can also find it at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. Follow me on Twitter and post news at Steve Berkowitz, and on Instagram, at Steve M. Berkowitz. You can also email me any questions you have. That email is noscriptnoproblempodcast at gmail.com. If you are interested in advertising on the show, please contact Believe at Believe.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. Until next time, I'm Steve Berkowitz for No Script, No Problem. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.